Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. And welcome to episode 405 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. I'm all by myself today. And this is our official last episode of 2019. Last episode of the decade. And all that jazz. Don't worry. We'll be back in the new year with our January books and a whole bunch of other stuff. So no worries. The passage of time doesn't slow down and neither do our book recommendations. Um, Today's episode was really fun. I did an interview with Steven Weinberg and John Cheshka. Uh, If the name sounds familiar, it's because John Cheshka is the man who created the Stinky Cheese Man and the true story of the Three Little Pigs and Guys Read and all sorts of other stuff. Um... He's kind of an institution when it comes to children's literature. Uh, and so what he did for this particular title that we're going to be talking about, which is called Astronuts, is he joined forces with his son-in-law, Steven Weinberg, who is an illustrator and an artist. And they made this really, really fun uh, launching of a series about these animals who have superpowers that are a part of NASA and, and that's and NASA with uh, two N's. It's not NASA, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, but they are going out and trying to find a Goldilocks planet because the things are going on in planet Earth and they need to find us a new place to live. So it's really cool. It's a children's book and the artwork is very, very unique and creative. But the basis of it is to kind of explain to children things that are going on in the actual world and they have a lot of science in here and it's really really cool so uh, we had a lot of fun they were in two different locations and they had just gotten through a big winter blizzard where they were at um, in the northeast of the country so because they're in two different locations and obviously I'm here in Cleveland there's a little talking over each other but you'll you'll be able to figure it out it's it's not a it's not a lot we did our best um and we had a lot of fun this was super cool for me because uh, i've talked about my mom a lot on the podcast in the past but uh, she taught school for uh just under four decades she was a third and fourth grade teacher and she's the reason why i love books and why i love reading and um sentimental posts for my mom of course uh she literally took me to book dates basically we would go and she would purchase books for me all the way up through graduate school. We would go to a Barnes & Noble or a local independent bookstore or something like that. And she would say, pick out whatever books you want. And I would buy a bunch of books. And then we would go home and read them and have kind of reading dates. And one of the first ones that I truly remember like us bonding over when I was going through a tough time, some stuff going on as a kid, uh, was the true story of the Three Little Pigs. So it was really, really fun to get to talk to John Cheshka about a book that meant a lot to me as a kid. So that was really cool. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us, you can, of course, always connect with us by going to professionalbooknerds.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds, or you can just shoot us a quick email at professionalbooknerds uh, at overdrive.com, which I may have just said earlier. But yeah, shoot us an email if you need. Uh, In case you missed it over the holidays, uh, we released our... 
2020 reading challenge. So we have 12 new challenges for you guys to take on if you're looking for a way to expand uh, your reading horizons just a little bit. We've got some really fun various challenges. Uh, you can find the form for the challenges on all of our social media sites or on our website. We've got them all over the place for you. So again, if you need any help with that, just shoot us an email, but we're going to be doing a whole bunch of episodes about our reading challenge down the line. Um, but yeah, I am not going to keep you guys any longer because this was a really fun conversation that I think you'll enjoy no matter what age you are. So I hope you enjoy this lovely and very funny conversation with Steven Weinberg and John Cheshka on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Adam again, and we're going to have a whole bunch of fun today because I am joined by not just one person, but by two wonderful people in different places. So we're going to talk over each other just a little bit. I'm super jazzed to tell you that I am joined by John Cheshka and Steven Weinberg, who have collaborated to make an extremely fun book called Astronauts Mission One, which is the one we're going to talk about. And there's a second one coming out as well. Uh, those names may sound just a little bit familiar to you. Uh, Steven Weinberg is both an illustrator of kids' books as well as a writer of children's books, and he loves writing about mutants fixing climate change and all sorts of fun stuff. And then John's name may be slightly more familiar, if I'm being fair. Uh, he is the creator of such things as The Stinky Cheese Man, and he wrote a pretty interesting book you may have heard of about Three Little Pigs and the true story that happened there. Uh, he's also the man behind the wonderful Guys Read, uh, Guys Read program. And again, they've collaborated on something that I'm super excited to talk about. So first off, John, Stephen, thank you for joining me today. No, Thanks for having us. Uh, and so I want to let everyone know, again, we're in two different places, and they, you guys are fighting uh, the horrible weather of the Catskills. We're recording this in the beginning of December, so <laughs> th- thank you for dealing with nasty, nasty weather. I appreciate it. I'm literally pushing back snowdrifts right now. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'll do, and I, I told you guys this before I start recording, I'll do my best to sort of direct questions at one or the other of you. So what I'll do is ask John, do you mind giving us an introduction to astronauts? Oh, not at all. This is a, actually a fun project Stephen and I thought of years ago. We thought it would be fun to do, I don't know, like a real crazy, funny graphic novel version of something really serious like climate change. <laughs> <laughs> And here we are, five years later, it came out. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Yeah, just a, a nice, the simple... the idea of, it was really to, like, engage kids with an idea that, or, or this problem that's, that's going to be theirs, and it's just so horrible and terrible and kind of world-defining. But I think there's ways to solve it, and we're just kind of willing to... We want to get kids engaged. And there's something, like, one of the things that I really, really enjoy about this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but first off, when it comes to the actual content of the story, John, a lot of the science is actually accurate, correct? Oh, all the science is, yeah. yeah. And, and all the art, it's like, we go to great pains, uh, and also drive our copy editor nuts to make sure everything is <laughs> absolutely right. Well, and, and okay, so along those lines, you mentioned the art. Stephen, can you kind of, because you are the, the brains behind the illustrations here, but the way that you 
put the illustrations together is super unique. So can you kind of jump into that and give our, our listeners a little bit of a background? Because it is wild how you came up with this. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. Yeah, it's kind of this crazy uh, collage, more or less. Um, and I'm really lucky because this giant museum in the Netherlands, the Royal Dutch Museum, opened up its entire collection into the public domain and wanted artists to work with it. Um, and so when we started working on this book, we were like, let's make the art look totally different. And then we were thinking so much about how it's a really serious, like, science, STEM-focused book. And I love art history, and I love how my favorite artists throughout history were also scientists. So I was like, let's just put all this really old art in there, too. Um, so every character is collaged from engravings from, like, the 1500s. Um, all the trees in the plant planet are from old engravings the Dutch did of, like, Indonesia. Uh, I, the, the archives I've gone through for this is like nothing I've ever done before. Um, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of scary when I show people my studio and what I'm working with. I, I was just going to say, it has to sort of look like uh, when you see videos of like serial killers and stuff doing like the... the I always think of, I was thinking of like the, the Riddler from all like the Batman movies where like he creates the creepy messages and stuff. Like that's what it... Like in a good way, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Well, that's uh, it, it really Stephen, that's what Stephen wears. He's got an exact Riddler costume. <laughs> <laughs> All those question marks come in handy. Um, but it, it, being a collaboration, it's like it's so it's hard to keep my brain and John's brain aligned. So my studio does look a little crazy, kind of like um, there's paper everywhere on the walls because we have to map out the whole story and have every page on the wall. Um, so like, when we talk about what's happening, I'm like, oh, we're up to the door. Oh, no, we're on the closet. We're on, like, cause you literally just start loop, looping around my studio, and it's covered by the end in all 200 pages of the book. So I'm curious uh, for you, John, like, the, the, the there's these characters, there's Astro Wolf and Laser Shark and Smart Hawk and Stinkbug, which are just, first off, great names. I love them. Um, and their, their job is to kind of find a new planet that is sustainable because, as is unfortunately happening in real life, us humans are destroying our current planet. So as you're going along writing the story, and Stephen, you kind of... Uh, suggested it just in a, a second there but john are you writing the story first and then you're putting the you know working to put the images in or i guess like take us through the process how you guys actually did that yeah it's a combination of those two things and it's actually my absolute favorite way to work um i mean when Layton smith and i made both like stinky cheese man uh, mostly stinky cheese man and some of the later books like we would both be together in his studio i mean i would have a bunch of stories and we would figure out like how to put them together how to pace it um what made sense to put where and what could be shorter what could be longer um it's just it's kind of like just the most powerful way to to use both of those brains of like the text brain and the image brain so that's what we do yeah and i'm glad to give a, an overview of the story yeah this is a secret NASA program that's not NASA with two ends <laughs> that's hidden behind uh, in the Thomas Jefferson nose rocket in Mount Rushmore where a bunch of super powered animals that are going off to find a Goldilocks planet. So there's going to be three books all together. This is just the first. They're checking out the plant planet to see if it'll be good for humans because uh, we've really messed up this one. <laughs> and my favorite part is that it's narrated by Earth. 
was just not happy. She's, in fact, pissed. <laughs> she said, you know, I've been around for billions of years, like four billion, and you guys have been around for just a scotch of that, and you've messed me up. But so what happened is Steve and I had this kind of overall outline idea, and we talk all the time about, I don't know, just what's going to happen, like what's the overall idea. And then I'll write something up, like more an outline, uh, the action that'll happen. And so we're in the middle of, say, doing book three right now, mm-hmm. where we're just outlining it and putting up pages all around Stephen's studio of, like, what happens in each chapter. And it's this great opportunity for me as a writer to just go, like, well, here's this thing that would be great to happen. Like, how how's the best way to get that across? Like, how do you show that? Or what, what way would you like to show that? And yeah, I think John I gets the... Go ahead, Stephen. <clears throat> oh, I was like, John gets to feel kind of like God, because he's just standing in my studio and being like, <laughs> I want this to happen and I want this to be said, and he's watching it all just kind of be populated on my screen. Um, <laughs> Create it. <laughs> but it seems like an intuitive way to work. Like, I don't know why, I don't know how all books aren't made in this way. Um, it's, it seems like you're working against all these tidal forces of how brains want to work if you separate everybody. Um, so it feels very natural. For And then and definitely for the, the complications of, like, yeah, wh- wh- how is this going to be told? Is this going to be a little narrative clump? Is this going to be dialogue? Is this going to be... And Stephen has great labels and just, like, I don't know, and it found other things in the museum. It's where it's it just way more fun to have two brains putting stuff together. Well, and to be fair, and I was going to get to this part anyway, but this feels like as good a transition as any, you two have a little bit of a closer relationship than most illustrator <laughs> and, and artists do, so I wish one of you wants to talk about how this, this came together as, uh, as human beings. Oh, I think well, this is a very normal relationship. Uh, and yeah. yeah, yeah. We figured out how to explain it to people because we've been like telling people about it for like, I don't know, like a year or so. We've seen... Both like crazy looks and horrified looks. Hey, John, you've been on a real kick of telling everyone that we're related, which people get excited about, and then you say, I'm your son-in-law, and then people get really uncomfortable. <laughs> Especially fourth graders. I don't know. We're not saying that anymore. Well, so- I love that Stephen will more often introduce and say, well, it's the standard way that like an author meets an illustrator. Well, like, but so, okay, my question, here's my question for you guys. So, Stephen, uh, being someone who also has a father-in-law, if there's a creative disagreement, like, how do you say, like, no, 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 this is what I want to have? Like, how do you go about approaching that? Well, that's kind of the best part of being an illustrator and everything taking place on my computer. I can just kind of let John think he's, like, it's totally going to be his thing. But at the end of the day, I send the file off to the publisher, so... That, so that Stephen really does have the control. Well, no, not that thing. Like Stephen and I have so much fun doing this together. I, it's more like our wives. To make yeah, it I think they're the ones who get more annoyed by us being like, "Did you hear the joke we made up?" <laughs> and we just come down together and say, "We are so funny. You're not going to believe this great chapter we did." And they're both just going like, "Oh my god, can we please?" just leave now can you guys stop talking or start talking about fishing again like the other thing they really love us to talk about (laughs) well and um steven your wife and so john by association your daughter she also is a teller of stories correct 
Oh, yeah. So, so is this just, like, a mandate in the family? Like, she had to meet someone involved in the, I'm just, like, you have, like, you have this, like, super, this, like, super, you know, literary uh, world going on there that you guys control. I think it is totally, like, confusing my, my daughter, John's granddaughters, because um, they, they just assume, like, every, you know people who make books, like, books are being made constantly. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right, dude. I think they think you must know everyone who makes books. Mm-hmm. The other wrinkle is too. Um, Stephen and Casey have an inn up in the Catskills, and then in the wintertime have a, an artist program, an artist in mm-hmm. So there's always people hanging around <laughs> making books, basically or making art, which is kind of wonderful. Yeah, um, Stephen, I'm curious. Speaking of the artwork, and you know, we mentioned kind of the way that it's laid out in the book and how you pulled kind of classic uh, you know, images from a museum that had all this stuff online. I'm curious because I know in your, you know, another work that you've done, you, you do a lot of like watercolors and stuff that's like a wholly original. Like what made you want to go about using those? Was it just that everything was available and you were so blown away by what you had access to? It's just, it's a very unique style when people see it. I mean, I kind of was. That was a, a thing where this is such a family affair where um, my brother is a, is a lawyer by trade. Yeah, it gets really complicated. He's a lawyer by trade, um, but works at, he runs a center at NYU that's all about like, um, like creative commons usage for things. Mm-hmm. And he works with museums, and he was the one bugging me, like, you have to do something with the Rijksmuseum, the, this Royal Dutch Museum. Like, no one's using it because no one believes you can use it. And I was like, well, I don't believe I can use it. And he's like, no, I'm a lawyer. You could totally do it. <laughs> um, and then I, it's like, and I know John's work. There's so much collage in Lane's books. I know John loves collage. It was an easy thing to be like, should we just make it an insanely collaged, gigantic, colorful thing? Yeah, it's a perfect combination of what I always love to do is, like, take that existing thing and tweak it. And then this is that next great advantage when we show kids um, Stephen has a whole section in the back of the book that shows how he made the artwork. Mm-hmm. It's a two-page spread, and then sends kids to the Rijksmuseum and sends them to our page at astronauts.space, where kids can see how the artwork is put together, and then they can do that themselves, too, which is just yeah. really That was a very professional plug. Good job. I'm really proud of you. That was well done. <laughs> yeah, John's a pro. I mean, you laid it out pretty clearly. He definitely knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, we really, and I guess that was part of the the overall science mission of, like, the resources are there, you just have to yeah. use them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my, like, subtle mission with the art of, like, there's so much art there, just keep using it. There's so much you can do with it. Um, so I love now seeing all the kids make different astronauts' art. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, and then Stephen has just gotten better and better at this because it's just a colossal undertaking. I mean, at first we we looked at it all and oh, this would be great. There's so much. And we were like, oh my god, there's so much. But for <laughs> yeah. two, like they're going to the water planet, mm-hmm. um, which is very good. <laughs> is run by clams. <laughs> they're the dominant species, which just gets really bizarre. Now, was that because you found a bunch of images of clams, or <laughs> it's a random... Actually, well, funnily enough, 
Yeah, John was really into clams, and I'm like, there is not a single clam drawing I can find <laughs> on this Dutch museum. It was museum. just pretty funny to, to, to say, like, clam. There's a clamocracy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. As a lover of puns, that's very, I, I support that. That's very well done. Oh, we, we, we use them all for yeah. the clam. Uh, yeah, we really but, went overboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, John. Okay, first off, so I have to say, my, uh, my mother taught third and fourth grade for 39 years. And because of that, I, and I'm a child of the 90s, so because of all of that, I have to ask at least one Alexander T. Wolf-related question, because she will (laughs) disown me if I don't. Uh, We quite literally, like, grew up with your work in in our house and in her, her classroom, so... My my yeah. big question I want to ask is what made you want to reimagine fairy tales through the lens of like kind of the quote unquote villains or like extend beyond the fairy tales? Like what made you want to approach these stories that way? Um, I think that's just my natural love of what I like to read or, or kind of what satisfies me in general is like Stephen said, it, it's that like kind of collaging and remixing thing. I realize even the music I like, I just like love a weird cover of an old existing song. And a lot of people don't even know they are covers. <laughs> They'll just think like, oh, Bob Dylan wrote that all along the Watchtower. <laughs> or, or Jimi Hendrix did. <laughs> and then they go, oh no, there's like a million people doing it. <laughs> and then when I was teaching second grade, I just, I realized that kids love that so much to just take something that they were vaguely familiar with, like a fairy tale or a nursery rhyme, and just the teeniest tweak. Like, I mean, when you think about it, just have someone else tell it. It just, like, exploded their little brain. So it came out of the classroom. I taught uh, elementary school for, like, 10 years, and I just thought, oh, I like this. I like this. <laughs> well, and initially you were kind of told the stories were, were too dark, right? Oh, yeah. I got rejected for a good solid year as I was sending out manuscripts. Because it was like 80, late 80s or so, mm-hmm. and uh, stuff was a little earnest in kids' books. There was, and no one trusted funny stuff either. Um, and then I met Lane, and we got together and sent it out with illustrations. Then they really hated it. <laughs> oh my God, this is really terrible for kids. It's too dark, it's too weird, it's too sophisticated. But then it got to, when it got published, it was teachers and librarians and kids. We just said, oh, no, we get this. We like this. <laughs> well, and that kind of gets like to my point of why I love astronauts and, I mean, all of your work. But, like, I feel like this story, you know, approaching something like global warming and climate change for yeah. children and not, I mean, sugarcoating it in the sense that you're putting a fun spin on it, but you're being honest about what's happening and the science behind it. Like, I feel like you guys have an understanding of something that I've always thought is kids – can understand more than we give them credit for, and they can appreciate it if you give them an honest answer for things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, and thank that, you. That, yeah, totally. Uh, go ahead. Well, Sorry, that, I'll let you guys expand. Stephen and I first had that thought, like we were out presenting um, our separate books. Like I had some Frank Einstein books out, and Stephen had some picture books, and we were at uh, down in Virginia just speaking to a bunch of kids, like second, third, fourth graders. And we just realized, like, oh, man, this audience is so smart. They're so funny. Um, we should work on something together and, like, just really tap into that, make it as crazy as as stuff. Like, oh, and that's when the 13-story treehouse books were just starting to come out, mm-hmm. Andy Griffith. And we yeah, knowing that we can, like... 
Uh, go ahead, Steve. Sorry, Jack. I was like, with like that that love of kind of killing a joke. <laughs> like you can go into such detail. And like, what if we did that with climate change humor? Mm-hmm. Like, what if we really laid this stuff out with that same dry voice? Or yeah, yeah, yeah and just kept it like brutally true, which kids appreciate. We just met some of the smartest kids who fill us in more about like carbon parts per million in the in the atmosphere <laughs> and what's going on. Is that on? term parts per million? Well, I throw that yeah. out and I think like, oh, this will be kind of overheads and kids know parts per million. They know all these things. Like the part of my brain that I think I knew about dinosaurs in third grade is climate change for a lot of these students we talk to. And mm-hmm. it's, it's both like inspiring and kind of depressing because it's such an important thing they have to deal with. Um, but mainly inspiring because they 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 know their solutions if they just put their brain to it. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if you guys, while presenting these books together, like you said to to students, and sort of maybe picking up things here and there, like have you gotten additional story ideas from the conversations that that you've had with them? Um, I love John was just we were at school and the one of the kids wanted to know if we were going to investigate the diamond planet, which is like one of the exoplanets that um, NASA has found that they think could be a Goldilocks planet, the only hitch is that it's covered in diamonds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think he even so knew, like, it was like, it's like Kepler 65D. He was like, are you going to look at that one? <laughs> I, was, I had so many ideas for answers. I just told him, yes. <laughs> Which seemed more authoritative because Stephen and I were also wearing our NASA flight jacket mm-hmm. that we have purchased. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we look very official. Everything we say is sort of official. Oh, man. That you is... can't tell now because it's audio, but we're both wearing our NASA <laughs> flight jacket. Yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine they probably help you keep warm since you guys are in the, the frigid, <laughs> frigid northeast right now. So it was funny. We had a couple other kids when we were t- talking about this early on. They would say, like, now, do, do these astronauts have superpowers? And Steve and I looked at each other and went, oh, yeah. They <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> now they do. And <laughs> yeah, we even try to lay out. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Steve. Oh, yeah, we even try, like, because that was one of the first questions we got. And we're like, this is such a fun graphic form that there really are no rules because it's kind of a graphic novel. It's kind of a picture book. So for their superpowers, looking at like kind of other versions of showing information, I was like, Pokemon cards kind of nail it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's 100% our inspiration for when we show their powers for each one of them. Um, and then every book has a giant fold-out battle in it too. Yeah, Which those are so the- cool. <laughs> we love it. Um, my other favorite question I got from a kid was at the Miami Book Festival a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of it, and this one little girl <laughs> raised her hand, and she said, uh, are you really the author? Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what that was like. <laughs> I think she thought yeah. you were doing more work, Stephen. You were doing some pretty hard illustrating. I was drawing a lot. She probably thought she worked for NASA. I mean, it's very confusing with the NASA jacket. People, people hold doors for us. We feel quite bad. We're like, we, we didn't do anything. It's like it's like wearing a like a a pilot's hat to the airport. You're just commanding respect everywhere you go. Yeah, exactly. And I keep getting on the airplane first when they say no boarding. Yeah. Know, just make long? sure make sure you turn right to go onto the actual seats and don't turn left into the cockpit. You might get oh, that. <laughs> 
Good to know. Good to know. I might try that next. I'm just going to sit up here, fellas, and tell you a little bit what to do. <laughs> so, he, Stephen, here's the real question. Did you read any of John's books when you were growing up? Knowing full well that he's your father-in-law and he's also on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did, although they were, like, a bit old or younger, I guess. Um, but my mom's yeah. a children's book librarian, so... I remember when she came home with the Sticky Cheese Man. I must have been in like six or what grade would that have been, John? Yeah, you would know. Three, three, three Pigs was out in eighty nine, ninety. Yeah, but my mom was so so excited about it. Like as a librarian, like you have to look at this book. Mm-hmm. We were looking at it, being like, "This is just insane." <laughs> they let this happen. <laughs> Who said yes to this? Oh man, yeah, that's amazing. I'm just like. I don't know. As a like I said, as a, a as a child of the of a certain age, I'm just like trying to imagine a world going home to my my mom who's a teacher or your mom who's a, a ch- you know, children's librarian and being like, "You're never gonna guess who the father is of the girl I'm dating right now." <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else knows how to spell that name, but here it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a funny thing. When I met Casey, we both studied Arabic in college, so we met, of course, like all people do in the Casablanca airport. Of course. Um, <laughs> That's what you do. And we, we were just studying abroad. We were talking about studying Arabic and started dating as much as you can with host families in Morocco. Um, and it was like one of the last weeks she kind of like dropped the fact that John was her dad. She didn't talk to me that much, John. Um, it turns out. <laughs> Being like, oh, that's weird. That's funny. Oh, man. Yeah, and then Casey and Stephen worked independently. Like, they did a whole book when together by mm-hmm. themselves about all their travels. So Stephen has already been working with a member of the Sheska family. So yeah, this is my second Sheska collaboration. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say you I you don't you didn't just do this. You did a whole story called To Timbuktu where did you guys go to nine countries it was? Um yeah, yeah, it's a really fun book and kind of the same format I look back on of astronauts. Um yeah. and that was what Casey uh, my wife John's daughter and I would, it's uh, all about, that she wrote, um, all about the kind of year and a half, two years after college where we went and taught English in China and then moved, uh, well, I guess the nine countries are China. I'm very bad at actually speaking succinctly right now. Sorry, well, I moved a lot of firewood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was so much firewood. Um, but then we moved to West Africa and lived in Mali for a while, where Casey had a Fulbright, and then lived in Timbuktu for, I think, about a month and a half. Um, but that was a really fun project to work on, because we were probably like 23 years old, had all these crazy ideas about how we wanted to make books, and were given pretty free reign by Roaring Brook. Um, and then, kind of like this, just made it really long. I think it's like 300-some pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's. But that is a good model, Stephen. Like how this is different from like it's not panels and it's not just spreads. It's it's really this great hybrid where Stephen and I just thought, I don't know, we'll see like how what has the most impact. Like we love to have mm-hmm. a page turn where there's just a big double page spread, mm-hmm. and that's the great part about looking at it on the wall. You kind of yeah. want the reader to not get fatigued by just like. Spread, 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 or talking, 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 talking. Like, just get a nice rhythm to it and have some big ups and downs. Um, yeah, yeah, even down to chapter length. We try to make it 
I mean, really, if we think about those reluctant yeah. readers who have a, were assigned like three chapters for homework, and we're like, we're going to make your week. <laughs> the chapters are half a page long. No, you're right, though. There is, um, there's another book that kind of yours reminded me of that it's a little bit, it's for a little bit older audience, but it's called What the Night Sings by Vesper Stamper, and it's um, kind of the same thing. It's like a visual graphic novel kind of a comic but it's all about these uh this young girl who is a teenager and she's rebuilding her life after surviving a holocaust camp and but but it's the same thing where like there'll be some pages where they're just full spreads of images that are designed to kind of make you think and then the next one is a lot of words with smaller images and it's it's and it's the same thing it's a it's a long form it's like 300 pages um and just the amount of uh, visuals that go into stuff like that and what you guys are doing, Stephen. You have all the respect of mine in the world because I can't imagine me like, all right, let's tackle a project where I'm going to put art on 200 pages of this book. I can't help myself, I think. it's uh, Yeah, because I'm working on an early reader now. Or not really, yeah, early reader. That's basic. That's my autobiography as the middle kid. It's called The Middle Kid. Um, and I thought when I was starting, I was like, I'll just do little, like, you know, small illustrations here and there. And I'm like, uh, like four fifths of the way down the final art. And I'm looking through, I'm like, what am I doing? I just illustrated like three picture books in one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm but sure. There's a great moment in children's books, too, where I think it's finally like the graphic novels are getting their due. Mm-hmm. Where it's just, it's, we've been talking for years about, like, oh, it's okay, it's a valid form. But people really weren't buying it. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's finally, like, it's a generational thing. It's like, I don't know, people like your age who are going, like, yeah, this is legit reading. They're the teachers, they're the librarians. They're oh. saying, let's, let's let kids read both image and text. Oh, absolutely. But man, there's good stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so towards the end of our conversations, we like to ask all of our authors... Uh, nine kind of lighthearted questions that we call the nerd nine because I enjoy alliteration. Um, so I will go, <laughs> thank you. I will go back and forth and I'll say the name of the person. I'm going to have you both answer every question, but I'll, I'll say the name. So first, John, what's the last book you finished reading? Oh, um, oh, The Captain and the Glory by Dave Eggers. Mm-hmm. And it's this great fable that's just, wonderful and twisted and perfectly of the moment and then steven how about you what was the last book you finished reading um night boat to tangier uh which i guess i am kind of morocco obsessed it's by (laughs) this uh irish author i think he's irish uh, kevin barry it's beautiful um kind of a mixture of lyrical and like watching the movie in bruges it's rather crude um (laughs) But I, I really like that. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, I will say this is apropos of nothing. But my wife and I got married in an old timey jazz club that is also called the Tangier. So I can appreciate that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So Stephen, I'll have you start this one. What's your favorite place to read? Ooh. Um, I think I'm very firewood focused, but in front of my wood stove, it is really nice. Uh, I was going to say, it should be in front of the fireplace that you're going to get to build up in a little bit here. Um, yeah. <laughs> John, wow. John, how about that's you? A tough, that's a tough question. Um, I think I would say anywhere. I really okay. I really just kind of love like the subway or the couch or the chair or anytime I got a moment. Mm-hmm. I'll go with anywhere. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
John, do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Uh, Go, Dog, Go. <laughs> Just because it's the most bizarre book still ever. But it actually looked like my family of five brothers mm-hmm. in a way that Dick and Jane did not, which I was trying to have to read in school. <laughs> uh, Stephen, how about you? Do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading? Um, yeah, yeah, I think the, the, being the middle kid, I just, like, nothing, I had a lot of hard days, um, <laughs> so when I read that book, uh, Alexander and the No Good, Horrible, <laughs> Very Bad Day, uh, my mind was blown, I was like, yes, I need to move to Australia. <laughs> oh my god, this is my, this might be my favorite, I think these are my favorite answers to these questions ever. Um... Ooh, this is a good one for Stephen for you to start with. Uh, what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to, so you can't say Morocco? Ooh, where else? I have a lot. I have a serious list going right now. Um, but I really, I'd love to go to, like, Patagonia, like the Torre del Pines mm-hmm. National Park. I, it's sometimes, I live in the middle of woods and mountains, but then I kind of want to see other giant mountains, and that just seems beautiful. And there's great fishing down there. Yeah. Uh, John, how about you? Oh, man, I think I'd have to say New Zealand. Ooh. And personally for that same Stephen reason, like there's just so many weird, different kinds of outdoors down there, and fishing. Like mm-hmm. Stephen and I both love fishing together, fly fishing mm-hmm. in New Zealand. I think there's fish there that have never seen people. <laughs> um, we would be the first thing to do. Yeah. And, maybe the, we, and we, maybe the last if you keep the fish. We really try to pick... We, we, we pitch these fly fishing books to publishers all the time. And they just... They don't, they don't, they don't go for it. We don't know why. <laughs> um, we can still keep researching. Them. Yeah. Uh, John, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Oh. God, I'd say none of them. I'm really like, <laughs> I gotta tell you, I was in a restaurant, like in a Vietnamese restaurant the other day, and heard Christmas carols, and I just about lost it. I was the only one in there. It was lunchtime, and I almost wanted to tell him, like, oh, please don't start this. Like, I'm not ready. It's, Dece- <laughs> it's December. I know. It's like, it's a, but it's early December. We got a long ways to go. Oh, my gosh. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Humbug. How about you, Stephen? Uh, well, I, now I'm not going to, like, I don't know how John's going to feel about this, but yeah, generally speaking, know. it is Thanksgiving, but not anymore, mm. considering John was at my last Thanksgiving, and he doesn't like Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, I put on a good face, though. <laughs> oh. You did. No, I like that one. It's like, you know, it's it's not religious. It's just about getting together with people who are generally your family or your friends. Um, but then it is kind of a hard one, because it's like the second it's over, all the Christmas stuff begins. It's like there's like a millisecond of daylight now, which is kind of stressful. <laughs> oh, man, you two are peas in a pod. All right. Um, I'm, I'm seeing why you get along so well. Uh, <laughs> coffee or tea? Oh, John, you can go oh, over coffee. Sorry. Yeah, that's easy. Coffee. Yeah, same here. Coffee. 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 Um, I, I think I heard one in the background, but uh, John, cats or dogs? Uh, birds. Birds. Okay, I will yeah. accept this I've answer. Because I've had cats and dogs. They're both kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> birds are easier. 
as, as evidenced by my dog barking in the background. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was Stephen's dog, Walden. Man, well, learning a lot about John Cheska today. He hates happiness and animals. Exactly. <laughs> well, he likes keeping small animals in cages. That makes him happy. Oh, gosh. I'm afraid to even yeah, ask ants. this next one. Count? I would say ants also. Ants. My ants farm is pretty bitchin'. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Steven, favorite food? Ooh. Um, these are so hard. We just <laughs> had some ramen like, last I night. Like you just had some yeah, ramen? We, just, we had ramen. I really like good noodles. Mm-hmm. John, how about you? Yeah, you know what? Across the board, I'd like any kind of noodles. No, it'd be a tough, like a like on a desert island kind of scenario. I might go potato chips. Okay. I think you would, John. Yeah. That's like yeah. if I need to get John in the studio, I think I would do Hansel and Gretel style <laughs> chips from <laughs> wherever he is. All right. We fa- I would totally follow that. We found, some, <laughs> we found something that makes John happy. It's potato chips and noodles. Uh, I think that'd be like salt and vinegar too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a plain is actually better. I don't get too crazy with flavors, but salt and vinegar is a good flavor. Ketchup is not. Oh my god, this is good. I'm like, we have book three to finish. I need to know what it's going to take. Seriously. All right, last one of these, John. If you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Oh man, that's a tough one. Oh, you know what? I'd like to. I'd like to hang out. Oh, I got so many choices. How about Terry Pratchett? That's a good one. He passed away not long ago. I loved his Discworld books. They just they still make me laugh. I reread them and just like just admire him so much for for bringing that craziness and truth to the world. That is awesome. How about you, Stephen? Uh, Terry Pratchett's a really good one. I think I, I, I've had so much fun getting to research all this really old art for these books. I think it would be hard to not want to like have dinner with like a Rembrandt or this is going to be too nerdy, but like a Jan van Eyck, somebody of these like old painters who like made all their own pigments. Mm-hmm. I just, it like blows my mind. My, it makes my job feel so easy or just Matisse. I think I probably Matisse actually. Okay. I, I just want to ask him about colors. Fun. Yeah. Oh my God. That is, those are absolutely perfect answers. <laughs> so last question for you guys, and I will let either one of you kind of take it if you'd like, but what do you hope that young readers take away from reading the astronauts books? Oh man. I hope they look at it and say like, I'm going to make a book of my own and I'm going to save the world. That's awesome. Steven, do you have any, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm going to save the world and let everyone know about climate change and know you can do it through farts. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, what a perfect place to end this conversation. John, Stephen, thank you for joining me today. Oh, our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.